a sip instead of yours. If you're looking for a way to get more positive things going into your life, I'd encourage you to check out our friends at Christian Living Magazine. You can find out everything you need at ChristianLivingMag.com. It is Saturday, which you know what that means. It's Sip and Study Day, right? Hey. I mean, that's because obviously that's what we all think of. Saturday comes and what happens on Saturday? Oh, Sip and Study happens on Saturday. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. I might be pushing it a little bit, but hey, this lesson, it's a good lesson. It it is definitely a good follow-up to last week. If you missed last week, go ahead and re-listen to that. You can find it at Sip and Study dot org and it's on youtube it's on pretty much anywhere you want to do uh, audio podcasts so stitcher tune in amazon music apple podcasts google podcasts or google play music yeah you name it it's it's should pretty much be there if you're looking for it somewhere and it's not there either send us a message on facebook or an email let us know about that and and we can Try to try to change that and see what we can do to fix that and put it up where where it is that you find your podcasts. It is also on Spotify, FYI, which is probably the primary thing. It's on it's on Anchor. So we're on lesson eight of the letter to the Hebrews, chapter seven. We're finishing chapter seven up. Chapter seven, verses eleven to twenty-eight. Not a huge section this week, but again, there's quite a bit in here, and. It's a great continuation to what we just went over last week with Jesus being in the order of Melchizedek. Now, this week, we're looking at him being the guarantor of a better covenant. So let's go ahead. Let's dig into this. We're going to hit it in the English Standard Version, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 11 to 28. Here we go. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we can draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered himself 
up. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. So in this, it breaks down into basically two two essential categories. We see in verses 11 and 19, a new priesthood, and then 20 to 28, the guarantor or the guarantor of a better covenant. So let's go ahead and, and dig into this. Let's do 11 to 12. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the, the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? Now, let's pause here for a second, just on 11. The, the law that's being talked about here, it, it, this, this can get kind of confusing, because part of it is referring to the law as in the law of Moses like just the regular commands right? like the 10 commandments how do we follow god how do we how do we go about and do these sorts of things some of it is is just that direct law some of it is necessarily directed towards the priesthood so like what does it take to be a high priest what does it take to be a priest period and and what do you do with this now obviously in the context the author here is discussing the high priest and going from not just, you know, priests, but going up to the the high priest and the one who's actually sitting in that office, which is a lifetime, a lifetime deal. But let's let's continue here for just one second. Let's finish up 12 here. For when there's a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change, meaning that it is necessary. Not not this isn't kind of a stuttering point of there isn't necessarily and they just forgot the nt in there. No, no, no. It is necessary for a change in the law as well. Well, first of all, let's let's pull from Romans chapter 3 verse 20. We're going to look and see that this lines up and and this section here is one of the sections why so many people believe that Paul may have been behind this letter is even though it's missing a lot of the Pauline characteristics, there's there's some some indications in here that it's pretty pretty much not Paul, but the author here just it lines up with so much of what Paul says and, and the theology behind it really lines up with Paul so, so well that a lot of people just kind of grab that and say, yeah, it's out of character, but mm, it lines so well that it just makes sense. This is this is a Pauline writing. Well, let's look at that. So let's look at Romans three, chapter three, verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. See, now, if per, that, that aligns perfectly here with 11. If perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there be for another priest? I mean, that just, it lines up, right? The author of Hebrews here is very plainly, and yet in a different direction, but very plainly is just agreeing with Paul that that people aren't really under the same law especially as in being for the priesthood seeing this this didn't this didn't do it right that just didn't cut it it was there so that we would have knowledge that we would know what sin was so that we would know that we needed something greater that we would understand that the penalty for sin is death and that I mean, it just it just was there to to emphasize the nature of going against God and what are the natural repercussions of that, right? There are natural consequences, and I was having this conversation even just yesterday with somebody. Uh, every act has a consequence. Some consequences are good. Some consequences are bad. But part of growing up and part of being an adult is the recognition and the realization that you can do what it is that you want to do. You can live life however you want to live your life. But just we people need to be mature enough to understand that there are going to be consequences, again, some good, some bad, but that as a person, you need to be willing when you make a decision and you do something, you need to be willing to accept and deal with the consequences of your actions. Some consequences are really good. Some consequences are not so good. Some consequences seem like they're not going to be good, but then turn out really good. So it's just one of those things that 
when we do things in life, when we sin, there are consequences. If we follow God, there are consequences. If we don't follow God, there are consequences. Okay, there's good things that come with following God. In case you haven't figured it out, there's also some hardships that come when you follow God. The world doesn't like it. The ruler of the world, the principalities of the world do not like it. Uh, you know, yes, you get under some spiritual warfare, and, and some of that happens with with some more direct stuff as well. So there's there are some consequences on either side. And so it is one of those, do you take a little bit of that hardship from, from the world and from the enemies, meaning spiritual warfare enemy, right? The, the powers that be, and then take the long time benefit of being with God and, and having eternity with God? Or do you go for some short-term comfort, you know, the comfort in the now, hope that, you know, it's, it's, it, things aren't, really what God says, and it's not as bad, right? It's, I don't, I don't know. You, I, I, I'm hoping that obviously my decision there is, is made kind of clear. I'm not going to say bring on the spiritual warfare because we're already dead set in it, but, but you know, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I'd rather worry about the long term. Now, perfection, when we get it back into this 11 and 12, now if perfection, the perfection here is, is actually teleosis, Again, I know I'm butchering this. Guys, Greek and Hebrew are not my my languages of, of choice. They're not my languages of uh, being really good at speaking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I I do have a tendency to butcher them. So that, that could just be half the fun of the show is just Drew horribly mispronouncing Greek and Hebrew terms and, and Aramaic terms. But anyway, this this term here for, perte- for, for perfection really means completion or finality. And it brings that concept of the requirements to draw near to God into view, okay? Which is really what the law is. And in either aspects of the law, whether the law being a, a lowercase l and like for the Levitical priests and how they need to operate and or the uppercase l being like the Mosaic law, the whole point of it is it certain things like you, we are in a fallen world, sin has brought in, we have been separated from God and certain things need to happen for us to be able to draw near to God. And so it brings into that understanding of of the things that need to be completed before we can draw near to God. Otherwise we can we can call to him, but it's it's different to call to him rather than to draw near. So this perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood under it the people received the law. What further need would it would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is obviously, namely, Jesus, who is like Melchizedek in in the regard that he is both a king and a priest. He's a king-priest, and whether it is the lore of Melchizedek or whatever, whether Melchizedek was uh, a Christophany and it was pre-incarnate Jesus, the Son of God, in human form, or it was uh, an angelic messenger who was here, or it was we go through the 11Q Melchizedek from the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and we say, hey, maybe he was actually part of the divine council and he was the one that was ruling over that region at the time. If you missed last week's episode or podcast or study, go and find it. Sipandstudy.org and, and find last week's because within Hebrews, especially in this section, the understanding of the possibilities of who Melchizedek was really play into this and you you should have a, a better understanding of that. So so go back to last week's and see what it is that we discussed because there's there's a lot of different possibilities of who Melchizedek potentially was. And so go go and look into that. Now this new priesthood here, for when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. This new priesthood is a, also means a new law coming in. The law was seen as the defining characteristics and regulations for Israel to maintain their relationships with God. Since this priesthood is undying and perfect, now the new one with Jesus, right? It's undying and perfect. The new law is then also likewise. It's undying and it's perfect. And we see a connection between the Romans 6.14 here and the new law. This The old is fulfilled. It's not removed. Let's, let's take a look here. Let's let's go ahead and look at Romans 6.14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under 
grace. This new law that we're under is this new covenant, and that new covenant is grace. Okay, and and we're going to look at that later. So that's okay. So we're we're under grace with this. We also want to look at Romans five, eighteen to twenty one, because this is this also plays into it. And again, I know we're we're pulling in from Romans quite a bit. We're going to do it this week, just because it, it, they really link. They really link up very well. So Romans five eighteen to twenty one. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life. For all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that Paul in in Romans brings plays into that and, and shows that very well that the the whole purpose of the law was to show us we desperately need God that we can't do this on our own that the point of that is to show us where we're going against God all of the areas where where we're failing to meet that expectation and that we need to do better but that as people and humans I mean we just kind of we really kind of struggle. There's still a call to holiness. There's still a call for us to to work with the Holy Spirit and to work with God and trying to live more like God. Living under grace is not just a, a free card to where you can just claim Jesus and claim grace and then go on and, and live like hell, right? You can't do that. That's not how that works. But we we do need to live and develop in the holiness to to become more like Jesus. It's not always an easy path. It's not always easy. Sometimes we'll take five or six steps backwards and then take two or three steps forward and it takes a while and that's just life, but we still strive for it and we still work for it. But the whole point of the law was to show us where we struggle, where we have need and why we need that grace and why we need someone, the Messiah, why we need Jesus because we can't do it on our own. We can't reach God's God's level of perfection and the requirements on our own. Let's look at 13 and 14 here. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. Now, no one's ever served at the altar. The altar here, I mean, it's, it's really just an, an indication that, meaning no one served as the high priest. No one has, no one from this other tribe which we'll see is Judah, the tribe of Judah, has ever served as the, the priest, the one who would do the actual sacrifices to uh, purify on the Day of Atonement. Okay, so let's continue on, 13, 14. For it is evident that our Lord, meaning Jesus, was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Now, these things, because it starts off with, for the one of whom these things, now which these things, these things is really just pulling back. I know I'm, I'm just reiterating this. The author pulls from Psalm 110 verse 4 several times through this. In fact, in, in verse 17 pulls it again. Later in the next section pulls it again. But if you go back last week, he was already pulling from it. And this is all just kind of one flow thing. We broke it up because it's just too big of a section. But he's pulling from... Psalm 110 verse 4 several times. And the full thing, because he, he pulls parts and pieces from it here. And so the whole thing in Psalm 110 4 is this, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's it. It's really short, but that that's what he's pulling from. So the, for the one, Jesus, of whom these things are spoken, it's Psalm 110 4 the one who is coming in after the order of Melchizedek. Now, the tribe of Judah, okay, one, maybe you're kind of like me, and I, you, you can take things kind of as, okay, Jesus was the Messiah. I'm taking that on faith. Like, there's enough evidence. We can go through the things. There really is enough evidence that Jesus physically died on the cross and also physically rose from the grave and ascended. So, 
yeah, did all of these miracles, did all of this stuff. You go through the historical accounts and everything. There's tons of evidence. So I, it, yeah, you, we can take that on faith. But at the same time, some of this really matters. Your genealogy, your lineage, it kind of matters with the biblical accounts. Okay, your family name and your heritage matters. So it's it's really interesting to see some of that. And he's pulling it in saying, look, we get it. Jesus technically, according to the flesh, according to, and by flesh, I don't mean like sin, but according to his descendant, like where he came from, he should not be a priest because Moses said nothing about priests coming from the tribe of Judah. So we can look at the, the lineage of Jesus and his descent. Matthew actually covers this really well. Chapter one, verses one to 16. We're just going to do verses one through three and then 16. So the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah. That's where we get tribe of Judah, Judah and his brothers and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and so on, ad nauseum, until you get to verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now, I know some people might stop and say, hey, wait a second. If Jesus was born via a virgin birth, Joseph had no part in that. I would say you are correct. <laughs> you know, you are correct. But the lineage and the heritage and that thing, that that whole portion, that thing, wow. All right. That whole portion of understanding, especially in the ancient world, it all derived from the father's side. Well, okay. So he pulls from God. His father is God. So hmm, you can't pull from that. Well, Jesus's earthly adopted father because there was no action that that created Jesus on an earthly plane, like as in they didn't biblically know each other to make this happen, according to the scriptures, right? It didn't happen. So Joseph adopts Jesus, accepts him as his own. It's not the same like legal adoption where they go and pay and take paperwork. No, no, no. He just accepts him as his own. And so he inherits Jesus, earthly Jesus, inherits everything from Joseph and Joseph's family. That's where this comes from, okay? So that's why Jesus is seen as coming from the tribe of Judah, coming from Joseph. Didn't physically come from Joseph, but because he's part of Joseph's family, he gets and inherits that lineage with him. Okay. So Jesus's understood place in the world was from the tribe of Judah, where they had no rule and no role as priests. Okay. They, they weren't a priestly tribe and thus they never served at the altar. And we get 15, 17. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent. Again, Jesus didn't come from the tribe of Levi. This was not the same thing, right? So he came from Judah's line, not the Levitical or the Levi line. Okay, so there's difference. Who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirements concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him... You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hey, Sip and Studiers. As you may know, the family and I have been called into missions and are now officially missionaries to the church in Pakistan. Can't tell you how excited we are for this. It's a great opportunity and we are so blessed for it. But if you've known anybody who's gone into missions, you know, can't do it on our own. We need people to be partnered with us, partnered in prayer, and yes, also in financial support. But there's so much more. If you feel God tugging at your heart, 
letting you know that he has a plan for you to make an impact in the church in Pakistan, we'd love for you to reach out to us and partner with us. You can do that and more at chogglobal.org slash dsbrown. That's chogglobal.org slash dsbrown, as in Drew and Sonny Brown. Now, back to the study. So even more so, in the likeness of Melchizedek, not by birth into a certain tribe, but by an indestructible life, as we were told in Psalm 110.4, this, that, this tiny little section here is essentially the author is just kind of summing a lot of this up. Like, look, we've already shown the necessity of this. We've already talked about how we, he's out of the order of Melchizedek. We've gone over a lot of this. It's just even more so evident. It becomes even more evident when he arises out of the likeness of Melchizedek. Like, what, because people were maybe saying, hey, he's from, he's from the tribe of Judah. He can't be a high priest. How, how does this even work? Because he's not even from the right place. Well, because he's coming from the order of, in the line of Melchizedek. It becomes even more evident that this is okay. That it's not necessarily about what tribe he was born into, but it's God's appointing by the oath that he made. And we see that promise in Psalm 110.4. 18 and 19, close this section, the, the Hebrews 7, 11 and 19 in his new priesthood. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Now, the former commandment, this is, is still tying directly to the Levitical priesthood. Okay, So the weakness and uselessness is not a reflection of faith. Okay, If you actually go through scripture, Old Testament Jews were really called to faith and trust. It's this, this understanding that we have in modern era of, look at all the work they had to do. They had to do this. They had to do that. They had to do this. Especially when we look with the lens of Jesus. Jesus even telling people when he starts arguing with them, like, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Like, you guys are going about this completely in the wrong direction. You're taking the wrong things out of this. It becomes very evident when we look through the Old Testament that the Jews were actually called to a faith, not necessarily a bunch of actions. The, the only real action that if you look at, the, the main action that if we really look at in the Old Testament to where God really comes down on Israel when they, when they lost it, when they screwed up and God said, mm, exile it is, or, you know, you're going to be taken over by another, another group of people and happen time and time again. If you look into the scriptures and see why it was a drop in a lack of faith, they turned to idolatry. They started turning to other people groups and they started looking and saying, Hey, they're worshiping these other lowercase g gods, these other entities, these other deities or these idols. And so they started turning to idol worship and they started worshiping other things. They weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping these other things. And God turned around and said, well, no, none other like me. I am your only God. You are to worship nothing and no one but me. Bam. And so if you go through the scriptures, they, it, it becomes really clear. Even from the beginning, it was just faith. Just trust God. Follow God. Stick with God. That's why Jesus even says, abide in me. When we went through John, the gospel according to John, it was constant, right? I was in there all the time. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in Jesus. Remain in Christ. Like that, The whole concept of persevering in faith, sticking with God, stick with Jesus, that's even directly throughout this too. Book of Hebrews, we've seen that a lot. Persevere. Persevere in the faith. Stick with God. Okay? It's about faith. Now, so the, so the weakness and uselessness is not a reflection of faith. Okay? The faith is not weak, weak and useless, but rather pointing to the fact that the law gave knowledge of sin and wrongdoing. The priests were sinful, just like everyone else. Therefore, the sacrifices weren't perfect. They weren't perfect and everlasting. 
unlike the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross when he sacrificed himself. He gave himself for that. Through which we draw near to God. Jesus is a better hope. Okay, He's a better hope. Now, the author here is not saying that the law is bad, nor that the Hebrew Bible or what we see as the Old Testament is no longer valid. Rather, if we go a little bit forward and we get to chapter 10, we see this, chapter 10, verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, meaning on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, right? Make perfect those who draw near. And this links very well with the Paul with Paul's theology on this. We see in Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The Old Testament is still there. It's still valid. It's still good. It's still useful. It's still something that we should study so that we can have encouragement through some of these hardships and these hard times. We can see how God revealed himself to his people. We can see how God operates and do these things, and we can have hope because we can see the progression. We can see that going forward, and we can see how Jesus fits into this, okay? and we can have hope in him. Now, this takes us to verses 20 to 28, which is the guarantor, the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, start 20 to 22, and it was not without an oath. Now, again, oath, if you remember from last week, oath is a legal term, right? It's a legal contract. It is a verbal, legally binding contract from back in the day. It was what they did when something was going and a promise wasn't enough, they would make an oath. And God made an oath under his own name to Abraham, right? But we see another oath coming in. And we see that evident in, again, Psalm 110.4. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. Yeah, I mean, kind of go through that and, and see in there. You're not going to find one. Okay, so they were became priests with out an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, now, wait a minute, catch that. Jesus was not the one making an oath. Earthly Jesus didn't make the oath. We see here, this was one made, a, this one was made a priest with an oath by, not, not to, but by the one who said to him. The Lord has sworn, and I will not change his mind, or will, and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Okay. God's the one making the oath and making that oath again and making it an oath towards Jesus, the Son of God. Okay. We see 22. We just finished this up. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The Levitical priesthood gave no oath because it was their birthright. Nor did we really see God giving an oath to them to maintain that. But God gives Jesus the high priest by giving an oath in Psalm 110.4, or at least referenced in Psalm 110.4. Now, guarantor or guarantee, depending on the translation you're looking at, this might actually be translated as guarantee, the guarantee of a better covenant. Now, in Greek, ingios, which, which deals with one who assumes the obligations or is a placeholder, is in place and assuming the obligations of another. Okay, when, when we hear mediators, sometimes, I, and I don't know why, but I at least in my past, I would sit there and think of this as a moderator. Like we have somebody who's just kind of like in the middle communicating back and forth. When really the, the language here and the terminology here means that it's someone standing in our place. He's there taking it on our behalf. That sacrifice that he made on the cross was on our behalf. It's part of that, part of that just being atoned, right? You're, you're covered by the blood of Jesus. It's done. It's over with. He took 
the punishment for all of the sin for anyone who would call upon his name and believe in him. He took that upon himself, and it's done and over and dealt with. It was perfect. And because it's a once and done, he doesn't have to redo that sacrifice. It's a perfect sacrifice. It was a flawless sacrifice. He had a flawless life, and he sacrificed on the cross and then raised from the grave, defeating death. So we have... If we accept Jesus, if you accept Jesus, you are moving from death into life. You are already part of God's kingdom. You are moved into life, and you are covered by the blood, and the sins are forgotten and go away. Now, this this really, it is another legal term that coincides with the author's description of Jesus as the mediator of the new covenant, which we see later in, in a few different places. We'll just pull two of them really fast. We see in, in verses eight or chapter eight, verse six says this, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is a much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. And Hebrews nine fifteen says this, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Okay, and we see in verse 22, this makes Jesus the guarantor, which we just saw, guarantor of a better covenant. Now we see here in 8.6 and 9.15 talking about this new covenant. There's a new covenant. Great. But this is an even better covenant, saying this is a better covenant. Now, the, the author here isn't a dummy, and he's actually pulling from, because he's writing to Jews that transitioned with Jesus, accepting Jesus as the Messiah. Okay, right, right. Remember this from earlier? Okay, he's transit. They have transitioned and accepted Jesus, and so they're going to understand the old scriptures. And so what is he doing? He's pulling from Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, which says this, when he talks about Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant, we look at Jeremiah saying this, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Wait a second. This comes directly from Judah. Hmm. So maybe the Messiah, who is the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, was supposed to come from Judah. Verse 32 says this, Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will Bruno's having fun. And I will remember their sin no more. We see here that this better covenant coming from the man coming from the tribe of Judah was actually talked about prior in Jeremiah. And he's pulling these things together. He's bringing this together, saying, look, coming from the order of Melchizedek. It's perfect. It's forever. And don't forget that this covenant was actually, we knew this was coming and we knew it was going to be a better one. And look, it comes from Judah, just like it was supposed to, just like it was supposed to. 23 to 25. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
Now, this this really holds the root of what the author is trying to say in this entire chapter and section. The, the Levitical priests were not and are not capable of taking salvation to completion because they are limited by death. Jesus, having resurrected, lives forever and is a priest forever. Thus, he gives complete salvation and unity with God. Now, he does say here, consequently, consequently, meaning bearing the natural consequences of the action. Because of all of this, because those former priests were limited by death, but Jesus is not. He's not limited by death. He holds it permanently, and he holds that life and that position permanently. The natural outpouring of that, the natural consequence of him having this office permanently and him living forever is that he is able to save to the uttermost. Now, the term uttermost here means to the full completion, perfectly, without fail and without fault, to the uttermost, entirely, those who draw near to God through him. This is continuing that theme, the perseverance theme, right? Come to God, stay with God, abide in Jesus. This is fundamental and it shows the relationship with God. That is the fundamental portion of this is that relationship with God through Christ Jesus. That is the fundamental aspect here. Then we wrap this up 26 to 28. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Let's pause there for just a second. Jesus was perfect and sinless. He's holy, innocent, separated from sinners. But but hang on. What does that mean? What what is it? What what do, what do we mean when we say he's separated from sinners? Because if you look back at the earthly ministry of Jesus, he was constantly with sinners. He didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save the sinners. He was constantly with them. In fact, the Pharisees were always complaining about the fact that Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors. He was hanging with the wrong crowd. See, separated from sinners because he was perfect and blameless. Though he was tempted, he made it through life perfectly. He didn't remove himself from sinners. He loved them, he healed them, and he forgave them. That's something that we need to keep in mind. Is this, The walk with, with Jesus and the walk with God isn't about separating yourself from, from those who need him worst for fear that they're going to drag you down. Now, you keep yourself from situations that you can't handle. If you know yourself and, and this is a situation or this person is going to drag you down into something really, really where you need to not be, okay. Know yourself, know your limitations. Yeah, ask God. If, if God keeps putting them in your life and your path, ask God to really protect you and hold you in. But but you know your limitations. But this doesn't give you a free out to just be like, nope, I'm only going to be in my Christian circles. I'm either that or I'm going to go into a monastery and I'm going to move into the mountains and just live off bark. No, that's not that's not what we, what we see here. It's not what we're supposed to do. But we also see he's exalted above the heavens. He's exalted above the heavens. 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, discussing how he he was separated from sinners in that he didn't sin. He lived life with them, but didn't sin. Chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship them. Now we skip to verse five just because it's getting lengthy, but still. We get the idea, right? Jesus is above, okay? He is exalted above the heavens. There's actually even another reference in there that we could have pulled from, but I I felt that one really kind of put it in there. He is up at the right hand of the majesty on high. That is a leadership position. 
That is a leadership position. He is exalted above the angels. He is exalted above those that God uses. He is there leading with God the Father. Now, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, verse 27, he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered himself up. See, the sacrifice Jesus made doesn't need repeating. The sacrifice covered all sin for all who come to Jesus once and for all. We don't need to redo this. It's not an, an, a constantly redoing thing. Now, this is kind of an odd phrasing here. Uh, uh, potentially, when, when we read this, it's really easy to think back into like Leviticus. And I, I want to say this is Leviticus 16, where we see the, the call for Yom Kippur and we see the scapegoat, where there's the day of, day of atonement, where they would actually sa- make that sacrifice to God and then put gives the sin to the scapegoat and send that out to his asshole. But anyway, we, we would have that that kind of sacrifice in mind, where that's the, that was when the high priest actually made those sacrifices. Uh, we start seeing that there was an idea that the high priest would start making sacrifices potentially on the daily for people. Like it was just one of those, come in, we'll do little sacrifices, and we'll do a little thing here and a little thing there, and we'll just sacrifice just to make, make atonements throughout, other than that once a year when it was supposed to really happen and then it was on faith. Because faith is what matters, right? So it's it's worded a little weird. There was some some interesting things that happened throughout Judaism. Is this kind of a reference to daily, just meaning like repeatedly, or was this something to where the the high priest actually had developed a situation to where they were doing things more more regularly than was actually prescribed? God Himself prescribed basically this day of atonement like one time. So I it could be either one. It's it's. It just is. It's just what what we have here. And then 28, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, okay, the, the law appoints men, right? The law appoints men in their weakness. This is just a reference to saying, like, look, the Levitical priests, the Levitical priests were, were just men. They struggled like men. They fell like men. They made mistakes like men. It really reminds me when I when when I'm working with people or talking with people who've really been hurt by the church, or sometimes even worse, sometimes by a pastor. Pastors are people too. Make mistakes, say the wrong things. We we do the wrong things sometimes. Sometimes we have to set up boundaries and set up personal space because our first ministry is our household, it's our family. We have to take care of our family. And sometimes people feel hurt by that. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes people do get hurt by that because we have to take care of our families, which means if something else is happening and something's happened in my house, realistically, my family needs to be my first priority. And that sometimes hurts people. So please recognize pastors are people. And so we are fallible. And we make mistakes and sometimes because we're not perfect. We rely on the Holy Spirit. We rely on God to to really cover the gaps because God shows his perfection through our imperfection. He likes to use imperfect people because that's where he shines. That's where he likes to shine. That couldn't have been anything but God because Drew couldn't do that. So there it is. Like it's just one of those things. God likes to use that type of people. And so the, the point here is just in, in verse 28, the law points men in their weakness as high priests. These were just men. Sometimes they, they because of their position, because of their birthright, they, they really felt like they were better than the rest of the people. Well, that pride and that arrogance is a sin, and that starts having issues, right? And so the law point these men as priests in their weakness, in their sin. But the word of the oath, pulling again reference to Psalm 110.4, which came later than the law, as it did, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Because the law called imperfect men to cleanse themselves first and then cleanse their brothers and sisters. But their time was cut short by, by death. God gave an oath, Psalm 110.4, after giving that law, promising a perfect and forever priest who is approachable any time, by anyone, day, night, doesn't matter the time, because that's how God had intended it to be. So what can we take away? Well, 
priests were people, just like you and me, flawed, dealing with the struggles of life, prone to sin, and so on. God knew more was needed. So he made an oath and promised, a promise and a contract, that he would send a perfect high priest, one that would last forever and give a greater and lasting hope. The law gave knowledge of sin and made no one perfect. In reality, it made people's imperfections shine. Even those of the priests who needed to cleanse and atone for their own sins before they could help others. Kind of like we just discussed, God likes to work through those areas. Okay, God likes to shine through that. God not only gave an oath promising people better because he loved and still loves his creation. He sent his son to stand in and be the guarantee, the mediator, holding the responsibility of the failures, the sins of fallen man in our place to the Father. Finally, since Jesus lives forever, is perfect, gave a once and for all sacrifice, is elevated beyond the heavens at the right hand of the Father, mediating on our behalf, we can approach God at any time about anything. Father God, thank you so much for today and for your word. I just ask that you, you be with everyone here who's following along with this study, that you let this word, your word, seep into their hearts and into their minds, that you allow it to change us to mold us and to shape us into being who it is that you're calling us to be. God, we know that there's some struggles, some hardships going on right now. Just ask that you you be with those struggling in these situations, that you have your hand on them, that you show your, your grace and your mercy. God, just be with everyone today, through this weekend and through this coming week. Father, I just, just ask that you encourage us and that you show us how we are actually able to do what it is that you're calling us to do. Help us be who it is you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you guys got something out of this. We will talk to you next time. Have a great one. God bless.